Hi, I'm Daniel Eccles, and this is the Opportunity Collective, a network that's helping faithful creators like yourself collaborate to create more opportunities and live purpose-driven lives. On this podcast, I talk to other faithful creators, and we showcase how to collaborate in real time. The goal is collaboration over competition, and we want to create more opportunities for ourselves, but more importantly, for other people. So welcome to the Opportunity Collective. Today, we are talking with my friend Bobby Barber. Bobby is a local Indianapolis leadership and life coach, and I can't believe we haven't really had many coaches on this podcast. Talk about somebody who is a creator who's creating his business from the ground up and helping other people create things as well. But the main thing that we're going to talk about is the difference between a coach, a mentor, and a consultant. So what are the differences? When is each useful? And what are some of the misconceptions about coaching that are out there? So welcome to the Opportunity Collective, Bobby Barber. Hey, Bobby. Bobby, tell us a little bit about you. Tell listeners about who you are, what's actually important to know. What are some of the things that you're working on, passionate about, excited about? We want to hear it all. Yeah, well, first, I'm really glad to join you on the podcast, speak to your audience. And yeah, so I was born and raised in West Virginia, Southern Ohio. Both my parents were school teachers. And then my dad retired from teaching and went on to pastor a local church Mm -hmm. for 34 years. So that experience and that community of people really shaped, you know, who I was, who I am today. Had a great childhood. I was obsessed with sports. And also, thanks to the determination of my mom, I was a classically trained pianist. Oh, there you and go. so wow, that's my that's my two truths and a lie stumper. <laughs> Get, gets people every time. Um, but yeah, I had I had a pretty eclectic and diverse range of experiences as a kid that I think really stoked a couple of things in me from a very early age. Uh, I've I've always been curious. Uh, Curiosity has really fueled me. Uh, As a kid, I was always, you know, learning something new, reading a new book, trying new foods, uh, doing new things, and really got a lot of excitement and joy out of learning and doing new things. And really the, the ultimate object of my curiosity has always been people. Phil Jackson, the the famous basketball coach, player, he refers to himself, and I stole this because I, I feel like it describes me to a T, referred to himself as a student of engagement. Huh. And and that that really resonated with me. I can remember my my town that I grew up in had a mall. And as most malls uh, had in the 80s and 90s, a big fountain in the center Uh of it with benches and places to sit around it. And, you know, I would go one day a week. My parents would go to the mall and shop and we'd eat in the food court. And that was kind of our little day out family thing. And I, there were two places in the mall that I had to go, Walden Books, loved the Walden Bookstore, and then the local sporting goods shop. 
So once I got done looking at all the things that I wanted to look at, my parents would let me go and sit by the fountain and wait for them to be done with their shopping. Again, this is the 80s and 90s, and parents would just leave their kids in the middle of a crowded mall, no questions asked. And I remember sitting at that fountain, and I just loved watching people. I would just sit there for what seemed like hours. It was probably only 15 or 20 minutes. But I would just watch people. I would watch how they would move. I'd watch how they'd talk, watch how they'd interact Mm -hmm. with each other. You know, couples walking through, families with young kids, individuals just strolling through. And I could just sit there and just watch them. I was fascinated. And I would try to think like by, you know, the bags that they were holding or the clothes that they were wearing. I'd try to think like, what, what's that person about? You know, what huh, I wonder, yeah. I wonder, I wonder what kind of car they drive. I wonder where they live. I wonder where they go to school. And, you know, just being fascinated with people. I, I've always wanted to know people's stories. Uh, I've always wanted to know where they've come from and what's shaped their life. What are their dreams? What are their motivations? What makes them tick? And so as I was growing up, that was something that I found was always an easy connect point with me for me was to connect with other people. I was always in leadership roles on sports teams and school clubs, church groups, and, and it was my ability to connect with other people that allowed me the, the relationship with them and to quickly de- develop trust with them. And so as I started thinking about what was next, when it became clear that my MBA dreams weren't going to materialize, and I started to think about what I was going to do with the rest of my life, I kept coming back to people. I wanted Mm. to be involved with people. And that led me immediately after college to go into a career in professional ministry. And that started by doing some campus ministry. I moved to Clemson, South Carolina, and I worked uh, at Clemson University in a a college ministry there. It was a great time in my life. I, I felt like that was really the first opportunity that I had to really spread my wings and, and figure out who I was. You know, what, what were the things about me that I wanted to pursue and dig into and, 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 and begin to really lay a foundation for who I was going to be and what I was going to do as an adult. Those were four really good years. And then I decided that I wanted to get back up to the Midwest area just to be closer to, to family and, and in a culture that I was a little bit more suited for. And I arrived in Indianapolis in 2009. I didn't know a soul here. I thought it was just going to be a stopover and met my wife and, and we got married and yeah, just through it, some different uh, a series of, of things it became really clear that mm. Indianapolis was going to be uh, where we were going to plant our roots. I was working with that same college ministry here in the city and in the surrounding areas with college students. And uh, this is that, that those early days in Indianapolis, that's when I really began to cut my teeth, my leadership teeth. I was directing our ministry. I was leading a team. I was helping us navigate 
a pretty significant strategy shift in the way that we were doing ministry. And all of that was centered around the question of how do we best help our students and prepare our students for life after college? You know, we we have these these men and women for three, four, maybe five years. So what can we do to give them the tools and the experiences and the perspectives that will best serve them spiritually, emotionally, and relationally as they go on to bigger, better things in different contexts and cultures and and all all the things? And that was really fun for me. Uh, I loved beginning to create a different culture and to try new things and experiment and really build something from the ground up. And during that time, as we were helping students get connected to churches in the community and other organizations in the community, I noticed a desire in me to do what I was doing on the college campus out in the community. Mm. And I had known for some time that I probably wasn't going to be a campus ministry lifer, but the right opportunity just hadn't. I'm I'm not sure there's many. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It is. It's a unique, it's a unique type of work and, and a unique season of life. Yeah. And the right opportunity just hadn't shown up and hadn't presented itself. But my wife and I started talking about, okay, what, what would this look like for us to pursue something different. And so it was during that period of time that that I started to think about planting and 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 growing a church community specifically in our neighborhood and our side of town where we were living. And the church we were going to at the time, they were looking for opportunities to start different iterations of that that church in different parts of town, similar DNA, shared DNA, but contextualized mm-hmm. to the people and the way of life in that in that part of the city. And so in 2016, I left the ministry, the college ministry, and began to work on launching this new church venture. And we publicly launched in the fall of 17. And I would tell you that was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. It was the most demanding thing that I'd ever done. Mm. It pushed me to the brink of burnout yeah, and stretched me in ways that I didn't know I could be stretched. But it was also the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. And, you know, you're, if you think about it, the, my career up to that point had been working with a pretty homogeneous group of people, you know, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the men and women that were coming from the, yeah, diverse backgrounds. They were, they were all generally moving in the same direction. They had similar aspirations and dreams for their life. That's why they were in college. That's why they were pursuing. And they chose the same college, the specific place. Yeah. For, yeah. 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 And so, and also, you know, I mean, we've, we were all there at some point in our life, that period of time from 18 to 22, 23, mm-hmm. your problems are your problems, you know, but you're dealing with things that in the grand scheme of life are kind of small. Yeah. 
the church community that I started and, and pastored was very different. It was, we had people that were coming from many different cultures, socioeconomic backgrounds. They were uh, living different kinds of lives. They were mm. working different kinds of jobs. They were families, singles. They were college students. They were empty nesters. And, and they were all going through really significant things in their life. And so at the same time, we are trying to, you know, grow outwardly, reaching our community, doing good in the community, you know, promoting flourishing in our city. We're also taking care of people internally. Um, people that were coming out of spiritually abusive backgrounds, broken marriages, addictions. And so, as I said, I just, I really found myself out of my depth, really found myself just like, what in the world did I get myself into? But during that time, you know, I thankfully had some people who really stepped in and started investing in me mm. and started helping me begin to to grow and to mature and to increase my capacity to meet these demands that I that I'd never had to meet before. Yeah. And and that was really a transformational period in my life. But, you know, got to a point where um after we navigated the chaos of of COVID and realized, okay, we're we're not going to have to shut our doors. We're here. And we started to think about what's next. What I realized is that the church had really outgrown me. Mm. And that... It's for, hard to, especially as a founder, to, to get to that point. It is. It is. And again, thankfully, I had some people who helped me um, really work through a lot of that internally. Right. And thankfully, the the work that I had done on myself up to that point, I think had prepared me to be able to ask those questions, to be able yeah. to um, separate what was best for our church community from what was best for, for me. And, and so in that process of just recognizing, I think, I think our church needs a different leader. Mm. I also has, had to an, ask myself and answer the question, what am I going to do? And <laughs> what does this next season look like uh, for me and for my family? And again, I, I really leaned back into that consistent thread uh, of my childhood and my professional life up to that point that thread of being involved in the lives of people and being uh, with people in their journey, helping them navigate the complexities of life and do it in a way where they're not just surviving, but they're thriving and they're living the kind of life that they want to and that they've been called to live. And so as I began to help our church transition away from me to the next leader that would step in and fill that role, I launched a coaching practice and started coaching different leaders in our church and then out in the community in life and work, just helping them figure out, yeah, like I said, different situations that they were facing, how to go through transitions that they were experiencing, mm -hmm. how to handle 
complicated relationships with people that they work with and their family. And, and I've found that to be really energizing and rewarding for me. And so, yeah, I stepped away fully from our, from my role at the church. And now I spend my days helping entrepreneurs, executives, high-performing leaders under the age of 40 navigate work and life, increase their capacity to meet the demands of, of that reality. It's interesting. I mean, you've kind of become the person that you needed yourself <laughs> along the along the journey, and that was helpful for you having these coaches and and people that I, I, you probably wouldn't have been able to have gotten to the point of saying, I don't know if if the church uh, needs me anymore in this role. If I'm the best fit for for what the the church actually needs, and uh, I think that was probably a really great experience for you, and uh, has led to you wanting to give that same experience to other people. So. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that that, you know, that really hits at a, at a, you know, a a first principle, so to speak, of mine is that you can't really get out of yourself what you haven't invested in. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it really took coming to a point in my early thirties where I was stretched beyond my capacity, where I was put in a position where I was humbled at the fact that like, I just can't rely on my ability. I can't just grip the steering wheel tighter, but that I really need help. I I need to change. I need to grow and I need other people to be on this journey with me. And so out of that, yeah, I have that is my life's work is to be a uh, co-journer with people on their journey as they navigate uh, what they need to do and what they want to do. Mm. I think that what's hard about that is maybe we expect coaches or consultants, people, especially as a, an emerging leader, as a, a young leader, you kind of want them to just fix things or to hand you the opportunities, but it doesn't sound like that really is, is ever going to happen or really the whole point in the investment, more of a long-term slow helping you to have, have some resources and a sounding board to, to make the changes and to, to create the opportunities yourself and just somebody outside of yourself that's going to, uh, be able to help point those things out, not necessarily somebody that's going to be able to just hand you the next thing. It, it, would that be an accurate description of coaching that you would say, or what? what is the role of the coach in, in comparison to what maybe people are expecting or r- wishfully thinking they would get out of it? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought this up because I, I do think, especially as the, the coaching industry is becoming more and more uh, prominent and public. Yeah, very much um, so. Being able to distinguish, okay, what is coaching and what isn't coaching? Yeah. Um, when I talk to folks, I, I, I will really, I really work hard to make the distinction that we, do, we need different things at different parts of our lives. There, there are some seasons where we need a mentor. You know, we just need somebody who's been there and done that to give us some time to just 
give us some of their own experiences and some wisdom from their own journey that we can glean from. In other seasons, we need a consultant. Mm. We need somebody who is going to come in to, you know, our organization, our company, our team, and tell us what to do. <laughs> you know, help us fix a problem that is persisting. But there are other seasons where we do need a coach. And the way that I would distinguish coaching from those other two, from mentoring and from consulting, is that, you know, coaching isn't giving wisdom to someone from our own experiences. Coaching isn't telling people how they should think or what they should do, fixing their problems. Right. Coaching is creating a space for someone to work out the answers that they have within them. Mm -hmm. And so I refer to myself as a thought partner. I become a thought partner for my clients in that I provide them with a process to arrive at the answers that they're seeking. Mm -hmm. And that to me is, I think, again, different seasons of life, we need different things. Yeah. But I really feel like that is where coaching offers something deeper than mentoring and consulting. Coaching allows someone to really begin to articulate and define for themselves what they want, where they're going, and how they want to get there. And I think that's where growth and transformation really happen and happen over the long haul. I think what is frustrating about that sometimes is that you are just going to get more questions <laughs> from a coach and you might not want to think things out or necessarily do the, the work yourself. And so at different seasons, of course, for different things, I think there are some times that maybe a consultant will have a framework that is really helpful, but a coach would be able to ask the questions that you need to arrive to something yourself. Uh, and that might be more helpful because then it's going to be tailored to you, the solution. It's going to be in your context and, and you can get somewhere that they'll never be able to tell you a piece of advice, their own context of this framework worked for me this way. It won't necessarily work for you in the same way. But and I think that a lot of that too is more evidence-based and helpful in coaching than what people might assume it, it actually is. And there is a process to coaching. There are things that you know and experiences that you had and you're guiding them through. It just looks a little bit more like questions and deeper work than what we sometimes might want. So uh, that that's a good differentiation between those uh, three, the mentoring, the consulting, and the coaching. All useful, all have a place, all definitely something to consider. But if you're, if you're like, oh, I really need a, a mentor right now, maybe you need a coach. Um, if you're thinking, maybe I need a coach right now, maybe you're actually looking for a consultant. So good to be thinking about those things as an emerging leader, creative or entrepreneur that is, you know, making some moves and doing the next steps and creating opportunities is which one of those is the best fit for where you're at currently. Speaking of these creative emerging leaders and entrepreneurs and, and these people that are a part of the Opportunity Collective, as we take these next steps and as opportunities get 
created and collaboration happens, there's just more and more that continues to be added to your plate. There's just more responsibility as you steward things that are given to you well, more is added <laughs> to it to to more and more will be given. <laughs> and in that's hard. That is emotionally weighty. That is stuff that we'll never necessarily be able to prepare for by ourselves. What are some ways that you might suggest these leaders uh, create and increase their capacity to meet the new demands that they're finding as they continue to pursue the the calling and the convictions that the Lord's put on them and stewarding those well? Yeah, the... I, I like how you termed that and, and using that that maxim of, you know, of being given more as we prove ourselves worthy of more. That is, I think, where where a lot of us who are, you know, high achievers, high performers, mm-hmm. people with a vision, with a dream, um, an entrepreneur, a creative, someone who is seeing a problem and 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 finding a solution to meet that problem. Oftentimes we're working really, really hard and we're like the proverbial dog that catches the car. You know, we're, we're constantly running after, you know, this, this particular role, this, Mm -hmm. this goal, this achievement, this accomplishment, this more, this sense of responsibility, greater responsibility and influence this platform. But then once we get there, we realize, oh, I actually don't know how to live this. You know, I don't, now that I've gotten what I've been working so hard, what I, now that I've achieved what my education and my experience and my training, uh, my skill set has been preparing me for, what do I do now? How do I actually live this, make this my own and do it without burning out or just drowning under the weight of all of this responsibility and these expectations. When I think about capacity, I think capacity is our awareness, desire, and ability to do what we need to do and what we want to do. So that awareness, Mm -hmm. desire, and ability. And I mean, this speaks directly to my own story. There are seasons in our lives where that capacity will be overwhelmed by the increasing demands of our life, more responsibility with higher stakes. So whether that's in, in work, you know, a new position, a new role, a new venture, whether that's in life, you know, of a growing family, an unexpected illness, taking care of aging parents, a death, you know, whatever that might be, we, we will inevitably hit points in our lives where the external demands overwhelm our own capacity mm. to be able to do what we want to do and what we need to do in work and life. And so one of the things I think we, one of the traps that we fall into is what I call the time trap. We're constantly chasing after time, you know, like we've, in these seasons where you know our work life demands have increased we feel pressured to devote more time to these responsibilities so i just 
more time to working on this project, more time to developing my team, more time to running down leads or, or finding, you know, new clients, more time to spend with my spouse or more time Mm -hmm. to spend with my kids. And, but the thing about time is that it's finite. We, We can't create more time. We can't find, you know, an extra hour that's hiding out somewhere that we haven't looked yet. But when we chase after that illusion of more time, that if I just had more time, if I spent more time, then that would solve the problem of feeling overwhelmed by this, whatever it is in my life. That's what leads to, I think, discouragement, disillusionment and burnout in our lives because we're constantly playing whack-a-mole. You know, as soon as we spend more time here and feel good about the time we're investing here, another responsibility or need pops up over here. And then we rush over and we try to spend more time and more while spending the same amount of time on the thing we just let, you know. And so we're constantly trying to find that. In my coaching, what I want to do is help my clients approach their growth and their formation holistically by seeing that. It's not just your time that matters to really increase Mm. our capacity to meet the demands of our reality. We have to invest in ourselves. We have to invest specifically in what I call our, our energy sources. So instead of managing our time, we, we should be managing our energy and those sources are our mind, our thoughts and our feelings, our body, our spirit, that that part of us that's connected to something that's bigger than ourselves and our relationships. Like each one of these sources, each one of these parts of ourselves can either drain us mm. from the awareness, desire, and ability to do what we need and want to do, or they can they can give life and focus and strength so that we can bring our best selves to the responsibilities and the demands of our life. So I think when we choose to invest in ourselves, when we do that holistically, not just, you know, well, I'm going to go take this leadership development course because that's going to solve my issue, or I'm just going to like, I'm going to try to get more sleep like that. That's just going to, that's going to solve my problem or, or whatever, like thinking about ourselves as integrated, holistic beings Mm -hmm. that all of us contributes to who we are. Every part of us contributes. And when one part of our lives is out of joint or misaligned, then that means that the other parts of our lives have to pick up the slack. And so what I'm trying to do with my clients is help them by providing them a framework to think through that, to be aware of these different parts of their lives as they are seeking to accomplish the goals that they've set out for themselves, as they are seeking to be more present Mm. in their home and with those that they love, as they're seeking to invest and, and influence their communities for good. Yeah, that desire to catch the car, if you will, I mean, it's a great desire. And we want to, of course, meet these goals and, and 
have a level of influence and impact on our communities and especially about the things that we're passionate about. But I think that this whole person development is just so necessary because you might just catch that car before you're ready. And, and then what a waste and what a shame it's going to run over you and your capacity didn't meet the demands at all of, of that car or that, that, position that you were working so hard for and stuff and burnout and hurt and pain might end up hurting other people too alongside yourself too so taking some time to make sure that you're just being faithful to the things the whole self (laughs) all the things right now instead of just really hitting the treadmill on one specific area, which we tend to do all the time of just, I'm just going heads down, run after this and spend all my time and resources on making the good in the business here. And then, and then I'll worry about this. Then I'll worry about that. And I'll, I'll run you over every day. So stewarding and thinking of your energy and all the resources, not just time, I think is an important important thing when you are an emerging leader, a creative entrepreneur that is pursuing this thing that you feel so passionate and called towards. If you're if you're called towards something, if you're called to get to that car, it, you, you know, you'll get there eventually. We want to make sure you get there and do it and get there well instead of rushing something and then it, what a what a shame. So yeah, thank you. I mean, that's that's a huge gift. That's a, a huge format and something that you have to offer people in the Opportunity Collective. And we, you can share a little bit about how people might be able to connect with you on that. But are there maybe also some other things too? Services, gifts, tools, skills, whatever it is that you're like, I am passionate and excited about this and I want to offer this to you, the Opportunity Collective. What might those things be and how would we do that? Sure. And before I do that, I just wanted to say, you know, to to add a little bit more of what what you just observed Mm -hmm. about, I think we do ourselves a disservice by believing that the trajectory of our life is linear. It is not. Totally not. Yeah. (laughs) It is not. And and so, you know, when we are, one of the ways that we develop in wisdom is by being able to see out in front of us and learn how to anticipate what our journey will be. Now, that doesn't mean we know exactly what's going to happen, but our expectations are that our expectations are appropriate Mm -hmm. for the journey. And, you know, I tell people this all the time. I, I really believe that, you know, as people made in the image of God, that we are made for a difficult journey, mm. that we have been endowed with the, the tools and the resources, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the mind, the body, the spirit, the relationships for the journey that has been given us, the journey that's laid out before us. But even though we were made for a difficult journey, we weren't made to go on that journey alone. And so I, this is why I love what you're doing with the Opportunity Collective is that we need people in our lives. Yeah. We yeah. need people in our lives that will encourage us, that will 
challenge us, that will come alongside of us, you know, that will, <laughs> that will rejoice when we rejoice, that will weep when we weep, and that will be there with us. And those people, different people come in and out of our lives in different seasons and different stages. And so, you know, this is what, for me, I feel like my calling is in this season of my life is to be able to, like I said earlier, cojourn with leaders that are really trying to do well in order to do good. You know, they're building something, they're investing, they're, they're striving, they're seeking to achieve because they want to do good because they want to build something worthwhile that lasts, that will influence and impact their communities and the people that are in their spheres of influence that will meet real needs in our world. And so you were made for a difficult journey. You weren't made to go it alone. And so I think the best thing that I can offer your members of the Opportunity Collective is the experience of coaching. Mm. I would love for anybody who reaches out to offer a free, no pressure conversation, just to give your members a space to talk about that. That's one of the things I've, I've recognized over the course of my life is that very few people have other people in their life that are asking them questions about the meaningful things in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, true. Yeah. It's true. Just in the last few weeks, I've had multiple conversations with people in my life just about the 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 lack of depth in their relationships, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's friendships or, yeah, mentors or whoever, but very few people have other people who are intentionally asking them the bigger questions of life. And so when I sit down with somebody, I'm like, hey, w- what's the vision that you have for the next 10 years of your life? You know, what 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 motivates and drives the work that you're doing? What is most important to you about the way that you show up with your team or in your family? You know, those are questions that are like people pause, like, huh, nobody's ever asked me that before. I, I haven't really thought about that before. And I think especially for those high achievers, high performers, mm, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to slow down. It's hard to take some time to pull back, to really reflect, to go inward, to explore what's there. Because I think there's the fear of like, I'm going to miss out on the next opportunity or I'm going to lose my edge. But really what I think, again, the best thing that I can offer is just the experience of someone sitting down and just asking some meaningful questions and giving you an opportunity to process through, to suss out, to explore. How would I answer that question? You know, what is it that I want? What are some of the obstacles that are standing in my way? If I could design my life in the way that I want it, what would it look like? Good book. <laughs> there you go. There you go. If you haven't read that book, it's signing your life. There you go. <laughs> it's a good one too. And I think that's useful too, as what we were saying before. You, each season, you might be really well served by a coach, and just even having one coaching session to even know what that is, and uh, if that would be useful right now, and if not 
cool. Like that's that's a service to the the person that did it as well. If, if the coaching is not what they need right now, well, that's that's one less thing that they have to wonder about, and another opportunity and sense of direction that maybe they look and just need somebody that is a mentor. Maybe they need a maybe they need a professional counselor for for some deeper stuff than than even coaching would do. So, if you're just curious about coaching. Take Bobby up on this and look at that contact information in the show notes and, and reach out. And that is the the meat of it all, of the opportunities, is the actual emailing and sending out uh, a message saying, hey, I'd love to give this a try. And what's the pain of that? I mean, give it a try. And if it doesn't stick, whatever. Cool. You learn something from that too. So, Bobby, what would be a, a gift that somebody could give you? Uh, if you were, were just received something from an Opportunity Collective member that would help you in your journey of having a coaching business or in anything else, what kind of gifts would you just be so thrilled to receive? I would love more opportunities to speak to people. Yeah, uh, This is, again, this is my passion. This is what I've been doing my entire career. And I think at this season of coaching and, and talking about what I believe are just these really important issues that everyone is facing in these year, you know, late 20s, throughout their 30s of really beginning to run into how do I meet these demands and thrive in my life. I would love more opportunities to come and, you know, speak, speak at a conference, speak to an organization, come on more podcasts and, and, and talk to more people, whether or not that, you know, results in people becoming clients of, of mine. I mean, that, that's an added bonus of, of course, but I just think these are things that need to be talked about. They need to be considered. These are ideas and realities that are really important for folks to wrestle with and to think through deeply. And so opportunities to do that and to talk about these, these things, I, I w- would be really welcome. Uh, I mean, that has to be weird to go from having a, a church where you're getting to probably speak, you know, every week. <laughs> it's a, oh, wait. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I will say there, there are some, there are some positives about not having to prepare that. I mean, it, 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 it can be, you know, that the, the, the joke is for pastors that we only, you know, work one day a week yeah. and that, that is not true, but I can tell you that those few hours there on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night, whenever a service may be, it is, it, it takes a lot out of you to prepare those messages and those, those talks week in and week out. So I do miss that platform. I miss uh, doing that, but also that I am glad to be able to show up at, at a church yeah. and just receive. I mean, that's the thing though, like these other public speakers, they have their, they're one, two, maybe three speeches that they recycle and they go through and they go on a tour and say the same thing, this city to the next city. Pastors aren't doing that. They are creating brand new content every single week. And a lot of them are going overtime too and going and speaking way too long for what people are wanting. But yeah, I don't think that there's 
anybody that gets a, in as good of practice of creating content that is, is long form and new every single week as uh, pastors get to do. And I, I think that's a skill that a lot of people in the business world could learn from people that are experienced in the church world. So yeah, yeah. I, have, I have a lot of respect for those men and women who do it uh, day a week in and week out. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a heavy lift for sure. For sure. There's a lot of prep for that. But how would people contact you, Bobby? Yeah, you can find me. My website is bobbybarber.me. And uh, if you go to that website, there is uh, a tab on the homepage where you can connect with me. And uh, I would love to to hear from you. And yeah, I'd love for you to take me up on that and on that offer of uh, a free coaching conversation. So you can you can go to the website and you can just shoot me a message off of the website, and we'll get in touch. You can also find me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Bobby Barber, and on Instagram at the Bobby Barber. The Bobby Barber. The Bobby Barber. So yeah, trying to put out some good, helpful content weekly. I also send out a bi-weekly newsletter just dealing with again this inside out way of, of leading and being in the world. And so you can also sign up for that on my website, bobbybarber.me. Yeah. Those newsletters, man, like I think that people miss out on a lot of opportunities just by not subscribing to those. And if they do subscribe to them, just skipping over and not reading them, you never know what's being shared that week. There's a lot of exciting new things that are happening for you and a lot of exciting new things happening in the Opportunity Collective. So make sure that you're on those those newsletters, folks, and that you're subscribed so that you don't miss out on any of the events, opportunities, great gifts and things that people are, are sharing here in the Opportunity Collective. So get on there and, and participate. And uh, yeah, just participate and, and start encouraging one another. That's the goal. We want to stir one another up towards love and good works and create more opportunities for ourselves, but more importantly for other people. And so we're going to continue to do that through collaboration and over competition and join us next time as uh, we'll have a, another a great new member of the Opportunity Collective. Congratulations, Bobby. You're officially a member, whether you like it or not. And so looking forward to seeing you interact and to see what opportunities come from. So yeah, join us next time. Thanks a lot.